Hey there, I'm Melissa Merrill, a professional home organizer since 2011 and now a speaker, author, course creator, and coach. I created Pro Organizer Bootcamp for aspiring home organizers and decluttering experts who need a kick in the pants to take their business to the next level. Each week, I bring you an action-packed episode filled with tips, tricks, and inspiration to help you build your own professional organizing company. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating and review. Let's dive in. I hear this a lot. I know I'm good at decluttering, but how do I get people to pay me for it? Or I want to start a home organizing business, but I don't know how to find new clients beyond my friends and family. Or I'm posting on social media every single day, but I'm just not seeing any traction and I'm not getting any clients from it. Ah yes, the conundrum of every new and aspiring professional organizer. That's why I've compiled this Get Clients Fast Guide just for you. Grab your free three-page downloadable guide and start booking paying clients in your pro organizing business ASAP. Simply head to bit.ly slash getclientsfastguide to grab your copy. That's bit.ly slash getclientsfastguide. Today, I'm chatting with Amanda DiGiacomo, who owns an awesome accounting firm in California. She's been nominated for several awards in California, including a certificate of recognition by the California State Senate and Assembly. Plus, she was nominated for an Inspirational Women Award from the LA Times. She's here to chat with us today about all the tax tips for professional organizers. This is definitely a hot topic that I know so, so many of you have questions about. So welcome to the show, Amanda. Hi, thank you so, so much for having me. I'm so excited today. As you said, my name is Amanda Giacomo. I'm owner of Atlas Financial Solutions. We are a tax and bookkeeping firm here in California, but we do serve clients all throughout the United States. We do have clients from New York to Nevada to South Carolina, so uh, we can take on everybody. But yeah, so we primarily focus on tax and bookkeeping, and I've been in this industry for about 10 years, but the business has been open for about You are absolutely crushing it and growing your own team. I know that that is something that we talk a lot about here on the Pro Organizer Bootcamp podcast. Many of our organizers are growing and scaling and starting to hire their first assistants and interns and apprentices and things like that. So it's been really cool to get to know you. A, I think we've met on Instagram. This is actually the first time we're seeing each other face-to-face, which is super (laughs) cool. And B, it's been so cool to watch you grow because I know that you you and I have had a working relationship for the past like three or four years now. So it's been really cool to see how your firm has grown and I'm super excited to chat with you and kind of pick your brain today. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I do know like a little tidbit for those who are starting to grow, like it's always scary, but you definitely do it and consult with people like myself to make sure you're doing the right things while you're hiring your employees and that you're following AB5, which is the big thing out here in California, which is independent contractor versus employee. But as long as you're kind of following that, you know, dive head first and go for it, guys. 
Yes. It's an exciting time, right? It's super mm -hmm. exciting when you get to that point where you're like, okay, I need to duplicate myself and clone yep. myself. So let's first chat about accepting payments. So basically on my um, at Pro Organizer Bootcamp Instagram feed and my Pro Organizer Bootcamp Facebook community, I pulled our members and they came up with, let's see, about like 10 questions for you today that we're going to cover. But first, let's talk about payments. So I know that there's been a lot of changes lately with new regulations surrounding app-based payments. So like Venmo, Square Cash App, or PayPal. So what should we as organizers be watching out for when accepting payments through apps like those? Yeah, I totally love this question because, um, you know, the regulations did change here in January of 2022, and it's for Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, Stripe, Square, all of them. What was happening is you would receive a 1099K for any of your income over like 20,000 or over 200 transactions within the year. And the IRS changed that to now it's just a flat if you made $600 in the year. So that's going to cover a lot of people. <clears throat> and the thing about Venmo and these other apps are, you know, a lot of business owners aren't set up as a business and they're using it as personal. And that's actually going to now hurt you because if your friends are sending you money for food or for gas or for gifts or whatever, you know, Venmo's not going to know that that's not a part of your business. And so it's going to be a part of that 1099K. And then now you're going to have to pay extra to a tax professional to have to be like, yeah, that's not a part of my income and I shouldn't be taxed on that. So it's going to be really, really important. Like you should already be separating your personal finances from your business. If you're not doing that, number one tip today, get a business or get a separate checking account, separate it. Do that for Venmo, do that for Cash App, do that for PayPal, do that for all of the bank accounts that you're accepting payments through. So this way, when you're receiving that 1099K um, in 2023 for 2022, you're not having to pay taxes on when your friend sent you $100 for your Vegas trip. So that's definitely one thing that we've been working with our clients and trying to get the word out is like making sure you separate that. So my first tip would be like, go make a, a Venmo business account. And I know nobody wants to do that because they don't want to pay the fees, but unfortunately we're out of time now. I mean, the IRS has changed the regulations. You're just have to do it. And you know, if you're trying to get away from paying those fees, a lot of people are using Zelle, which I personally love Zelle uh, as an accountant because it shows up on your bank statement, like who you sent it to or who received or who gave you money. So that helps me being able to track instead of like bulking it up, like Venmo and PayPal kind of do. But yeah, so my First thing is get a business uh, Venmo account or PayPal account or Cash App account. Make sure you're separating your personal from the business. And then just make sure that uh, you're just tracking all of that and making sure that none of that is commingling in your account. Yeah. Yeah. And you're making me have like flashbacks to when I first opened in um, 2018, when I first opened my LLC and I had to like figure out, okay, wait, what? Oh, I need a separate business account and I need this and I need that. Yeah. And it's actually, it was at a NABO meeting, which I know that you're part of in San Diego. And I was like, I was like, wait, what? I had, I knew nothing. I was like, <laughs> So, it's very common yeah. that people don't realize that because they see the word, even as an LLC, you're taxed most of the time as a sole proprietor. So you're like, oh, I can keep it in my own personal bank account. And for many reasons, that's just not true. And even if you are just a sole proprietor, not an LLC or an S-Corp, 
you should be separating it for one is going to make you keeping and tracking your expenses and income much easier Two, when you have to outsource to somebody like myself, your bill will be less because now we only have to go through the transactions that are for the business and not all of your transactions that are personal and business. And it, you know, it just helps with, if you do get an audit, you know, now they only have to go through those statements. They don't have to see everything into your personal bank account. So like, whether you're an LLCS corp or anywhere in your business, like I always tell everybody step number one, go get a separate checking account and do everything out of, for the business out of that checking account. Yep. Yep. Keep it separate. Keep it simple. Okay. So as organizers, we tend to use a lot of products in our homes of our clients. So bins, baskets, containers, things like that, that we use in each client's home pretty much on every single project. And a lot of times we're the ones that are taking the time and the energy and the gas, right? To go shop for these things, to source them, to take the measurements, figure out what the dimensions are of the products that we need and then purchase them. Let's talk a little bit about that. Do we upsell it? Can we upcharge it? Do we charge sales tax? What does that look like? Yeah, I love it. So I'm going to start off saying that every state it obviously has different regulations and different rules. So knowing what your state regulations are, are going to be at the first step, which is important. And normally there's like some type of sales tax um, organization in California, it's the CDTFA, uh, where you can get this information from. Another thing I'd like to point out is that, you know, regular income taxes and all the regulations for taxes change all the time. So you're going to want to make sure that you are consistently talking to a tax professional um, and getting advice from them. And by no means, anything that I say today should be taken as like direct advice that you should be doing in your business. You should be consulting with somebody to make sure that's the right steps for you and that the, li the laws are still applied for that time period. But with that said, there's a couple ways how we can dissect this question. So if I feel like if you're purchasing the items to help you do the job, it should be a reimbursable expense and you should be charging your labor and your travel and your overhead things like in your invoice that way and not really upcharging for those bins. When you start upcharging for those bins and products, now you're reselling. And at that point, you would need a seller's permit to resell those items. And then you'd have to do a seller's uh, permit and then the sales tax report and pay sales tax on those items. So, you know, bins and hangers and things, if it's just like, okay, I'm buying some of these, I'm getting reimbursed for that. Like I would literally just on the invoice be like reimbursement for like materials and things like that. So that you don't really have to deal with that sales tax part of it. Obviously, like I said earlier, each state might be different. So for example, I know that in the state of California for sales tax for photography, if you have a digital download, it's not sales taxable, but if it's a tangible item, you have to charge sales tax. But with clients that I work in in South Carolina, they don't have that same regulation. There's just even their digital downloads are sales taxable. So again, what I'm saying is pertaining to what I know of the California law, and you should be either asking your tax professional or contacting me and be like, I live in this state. Can we look up what it is in this state? Because that state might have a different regulation that like, even if you're upcharging and you're just still giving it to them a part of your invoice, they might want the sales tax. So again, make sure you're checking with each state. Yep. It's super fun to live in the United States of America sometimes, right? <laughs> because sometimes we're not united and we all have different policies. Yeah. But yes, rule of thumb is check with your local, whether that's your business mentor, your CPA, your accountant, your tax attorney, whoever that might be, get eyes on your business and don't kind of fumble around in the dark. This isn't something that you want to mess with, right? Because it does have to do with the IRS. It does have to do with 
the government and with taxes. So on that note, can we invoice clients for a travel fee, for example, if their home is outside of a certain radius or service area that we designate. So say that I'm in San Diego, California, a huge territory of almost you know 200 square miles. And I tell my clients, hey, I only serve 50 miles around my home or around my zip code. What does that look like? Yeah, great question. So uh, the first thing is talking about the standard mileage uh, rate. And currently this year it's 58.5 cents. And so no matter any travel that you're doing, whether it's in a radius that you're saying to the 50 miles or not, you can be charging, you know, the 58.5 cents per mile to your clients. I definitely would be charging that on your invoices, especially if, you know, if it is much larger distance or you're going somewhere. I've also mentioned that, you know, you can be charging for any type of overheads. You should be in your price, in your hourly price. It should include a portion of what goes to your taxes. It should include a portion that goes to your utilities and your cell phone bill and your gas and your mileage. So if you're making sure that your hourly rate or your fixed rate on the invoice is including all of that overhead and your hourly time to do all that work, you're totally fine. I do see invoices all the time where they do separate. Okay, here's my labor, here's mileage, and then here's like reimbursement for materials. Just depending on what type of clients you have, sometimes I like to see that itemized. But yes, currently in 2022, it's 58.5 uh, cents per mile. So, you know, you should be definitely, okay, this is all the miles I had for this and charging that out to them. Yeah. And I think something that has been really helpful for me as an organizer over the years has been using an app. I like to use Mile IQ. That's just what I've used. Personal opinion, personal preference. It's a free app. Basically, before you start your travel to a client's home, I mean, obviously, you're, you as a service provider are providing a service in other people's spaces, whether that's a commercial office space or a residential home or whatever it is. You're not doing this out of you know, the comfort of your own home office, yeah. so you're going to have to travel. You're going to need a way to track that mileage. Um, again, like telling you my you know, transparent stories of when I first started my business, that first year in business, I didn't know that I could get you know, reimbursed or you know, have a write-off for mileage. And so I had to go and look back at every single session I had had that first year and find the client's home, find my home, calculate the mileage on like Google maps, and then yep. create this giant freaking spreadsheet that I had to give to my accountant. <laughs> it was probably like, you know, yeah. mad that I had done it that way. So don't make the mistakes that I made you guys listening to this. Yeah. Mileage IQ is a great app. I use Triplog. It's $4 a month. And the reason why I choose to do that one and not the free one is because let's all face it. Like we're running our business and to have to track another thing is so annoying. And like, you're like, oh yeah, I'll do it at the end of the month. And then it's like three months later and I didn't even put away any of my mileage. So what I like about Triplog is that you can put set parameters of like a time, like, you know, nine to six is my office hours. And like any traveling I do during that time is automatically classified as business for me. And then anything after 6 p.m. or on the weekends is automatically classified as uh, personal. And this is super important to be tracking your mileage for many reasons, which I can go into a little bit right now. The two things you get to do in your business as a write-off is the actual car expenses or mileage. But let me go into it a little bit further. You can't 100% write off all your actual car expenses unless you have an LLC or an S-Corp and the comp the, it's the company's car. So a lot of the times it's the sole proprietor or the owner's car. And at that point, 
you have to do a percentage of your mileage and that percentage of your mileage is what you can take of your actual expenses. So if I drove 10,000 miles in the year and 5,000 was for personal and 5,000 was for business, that's 50%. So I would only be able to write off 50% of my actual car expenses, or I could take the mileage standard rate of the 5,000 miles times the 58 point or 58.5 cents per mile. And so working with a tax professional to know which one you can take and making sure you are tracking those miles is going to be very beneficial for your tax return. And miles that you should be tracking is anytime you have to leave your office or if you have a home office, going to a client, going to pick up things at the store, going for networking events, continued education, all of those different things you should be tracking and being like, that's a part of my mileage for my business. Yep. And there's so many things that we do as entrepreneurs that we probably don't realize. Oh, I went and I had, you know, a meeting with my business coach. Oh, I went to my CPA's office. Oh, I went to a women's conference or a retreat or whatever, right? There's all these different things. So make sure that you're tracking on this note of write-offs and reimbursements and things like that. What are your general rules or recommendations for tax rates? Yeah. So according to the IRS code, it's like ordinary necessary is kind of the standard that you should be looking at in every write-off. Every industry has different types of write-offs, but there's definitely a set, you know, basic things like advertising and job supplies and your cost of goods or, you know, your office supplies, you know, it's different things like that are like a, a different, definitely a set standard that across the board and everybody can write off. I do have like something on my website, which is atlasfinancialsolutions.net. If you sign up for my newsletter with a pop-up that comes up on the website, it will send you a free PDF of a common write-offs and um, businesses. And that's really helpful when I'm starting to start working with somebody in the beginning, they can definitely get that list of like, like oh, I didn't even know I could write that off. I didn't know Canva and InShot and all, all those dues and subscriptions and things that I can write off in my business. So yeah, according to the IRS code, it's if it's an ordinary and necessary expense, obviously, like if you're buying like a Gucci bag for something that's not an ordinary necessary expense so the IRS would be like you can't really write that off but you know a bag that's going to carry your laptop so you can work in different places and you know that that's an ordinary necessary expense that you need for your business so things like that a lot of things I get misconception on is like uniforms and clothes so obviously if you have like a uniform for your staff and you're like you have to wear this and that like obviously that's a write-off or if you're like a photographer for a wedding and they're like requiring you to wear something very specific you could take a percentage of that because obviously you're going to wear those clothes maybe personally so you can't write it off 100% but if you're requiring a uniform or something with your logo or something like that uh, obviously that's a hundred percent write-off, but doing your hair and your makeup and your clothes to look presentable for your business is not a write-off. And a lot of times people are like, oh, well, I need that. That's an ordinary necessary expense for my business. And you know, the IRS doesn't see it that way. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I love the example too, of like the Gucci bag or the hair and the makeup, but as yeah. organizers, we do actually need a lot of crap I'll say like we need label makers exacto knives posted sticky notes sharpies flashcards to like make little signs of what to keep toss donate trash bags contractor bags those are really expensive yep. those big black like you know home depot style trash bags it all definitely adds up not to mention your actual organizer's bag so typically we end up using like diaper bags gym bags 
beach bags, things that have a lot of pockets and compartments, right? Because again, we're kind of like little Bob the Builders that arrive at the home with, you know, an actual tool bag. So again, keeping those things in mind, yes, there's a difference between getting a Gucci organizer, (laughs) you know, something from like Target, right? But yeah, definitely keeping an eye on that. So on that same note of ordinary and necessary, I like that. I like that you're making that kind of easy for us to remember ordinary and necessary expenses. Do you have any receipt and record keeping best practices, like how to actually store all of those receipts? Yeah. So if you're not already using like uh, QuickBooks online, which if I'm not a big component on the self-employed one, it doesn't allow you to reconcile and do a bunch of things that I feel like a business owner needs and different reports. I definitely use the QuickBooks essentials or higher, but if you're not using QuickBooks or Fresh books or something like that. You can use Expensify to upload receipts and things like, like that. Or you can go old school and just literally do like an Excel or Google Doc where you're like writing down all your transactions and all your receipts and, and attaching them in a box with all your receipts and be like, here, here's what I have. On my Instagram, I like to post quite frequently, track your expenses like you track your life. And that tends to get a lot of people to laugh because it's true. Like in your business, the, the most important thing you can do is be tracking your expenses. And if you don't have an accountant or software, an accounting software, I mean, you can do it in Google Sheets or Excel. Every single month, you should be like, this was my income from that month. Here's all my expenses for the month. Make sure you're putting the date, the vendor, and how much it is. And then what type of category does it go into? Does it go into advertising? Does it go into job supplies? Does it go into gas? Things like that. You need to be doing that every single month so that when it comes to tax season at the end of the year, you already have all your information put together where you can just pass it off to the tax professional and you know they can do your taxes and make sure you're getting all the deductions and write-offs and things that you need to for your Yeah. My fiance being the creative that he is, I'm the more logical analytical brain and he's definitely very creative. He owns a creative design studio and photography, videography, all of that. He like clockwork every year in March will go and have to go back to the entire previous year and find everything and reconcile everything in QuickBooks and try to remember something that happened a year ago. And I just like every year I look at him and it's been like four years now. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Just don't drive yourself crazy. Try to batch it. Like Amanda said, try to set like a, what I like to do is set like an admin date for myself. So whether that's like one afternoon on the first of every month or one afternoon on the last day of every month, the last weekend of every month, and really carve out that time to reconcile your invoices make sure you tracked all of your mileage, like really get in there and look at it. Yeah, I, I definitely think like, it's definitely easy to kind of do. It's just, you know, it's time consuming sometimes when you're busy wearing a, a million hats in the business, it's it's hard to be like, let me set some time away to do that. And then it gets away from you. And now you're like, you know, trying to meet that deadline for your tax professional. But yeah, I would just definitely say like some admin time every single month, <laughs> if you can't afford sorry, a bookkeeper or anything like that, but you can be surprised. I mean, a lot of bookkeepers out there, like, especially with new technologies with QuickBooks online and all these things, like they're a lot more affordable. I mean, our like packages a month start at 75 a month, 150 a month, 300 a month and 450. And then if you're a much larger construction engineering firm or things like that, that you have a lot more 
employees and bank accounts and things, obviously that it's a tailored monthly fixed uh, rate, but you would be surprised. I mean, one session for a photographer can be $300 an hour and you could be at $150 a month package where one session literally pays for our services. And I know as a photographer, they're having multiple sessions in the month. So don't be afraid to actually reach out and price around like, okay, can I really afford this to delegate that out? Because it will take out a lot of stress knowing that's done correctly. It's done by the uh, new tax regulations and it's just done. So you don't have to worry about it when come March. Yes. And I like what you said there is I think a lot of times when we're first getting started out in business, maybe we're a year in or even two years in, and we haven't made that jump to actually bring like the dream team on our side. I do always recommend, again, personal opinion, having an attorney on your side, having a CPA on your side, having a tax professional on your side, having like this, what I like to call the dream team. It's kind of like, I'm on this like real housewives kick lately and they all have glam squads and I'm like, okay, this yeah. is like my, my business squad. You know, you, you need to hire yeah. the right people to help support you and getting to the next level. I love that because I truly believe in the same thing. I think it's investing into your company, even though, you know, it's taking from your bottom line, working with a lawyer or a CPA or tax professional in the beginning is going to set you up for success because you're going to be doing the right things where you're not going to have to be owing as much and making those mistakes that are going to cost you. My other famous saying that I like to say on Instagram is I'm an asset. I'm not a liability. So like you should not be seeing me as like an expense, a liability. You should be seeing me as an asset to your business because I'm here to help you grow. Because if you grow, then I grow with you. And like, you know, I want to make sure that your company is doing well because I don't want to lose you as a client. So like, again, I'm an asset. I'm not a liability. Same thing with any lawyer or any CPA or any tax professional. And I think getting ahead of it and going and getting the right people and building that foundation, you're going to see business owners lasting a lot longer in their business because they had that advice. Yeah. And there's so much that you don't know. Like you don't know what you don't know when you first get started. And it's totally different than like back in the day when I was working a nine to five and I just had one W2 per year from my employer and I would go into my little TurboTax and I would just file my one little thing. And I wasn't a homeowner and I wasn't married and I didn't have kids and I didn't have dependents. And it was like very easy, right? Okay. But now that you're reaching a new level, you've become a business owner. Chances are you're entering maybe a, a larger, bigger stage in your life with kids, with families, with a home. There's a lot more that goes into it. So definitely hire your own dream team, your own glam squad for your business. Okay. Let's transition to talking about the actual tax filing and document retention. So for a lot of the girls in my pro organizer bootcamp programs, this can seem really daunting, like really scary. Like, oh crap, I'm entering like Uncle Sam's lair, like his cave <laughs> or his den. Yeah. And so what do I do? So do you want to give like a quick intro or best practices to just tax filing in general? Like, should we be setting yeah. aside money? Uh, what does that look like? Yeah, of course. So I mean, number one, separating your finances is going to be my, my first step. Making sure you have the proper business licenses, obviously, is another great step. Making sure you have your county fictitious business name, a city business license if you need one, things like that. Tax-wise, you have, depending on what state you're in, you have your federal income tax, which is your 1040. You have your state tax. Some, obviously, Texas and other places don't have income, but at 
state tax. So you have your income for your federal and then your state income tax, which in California is your 540. And then beyond that, you have your sales tax. If that's a third entity, that's something on its own. If you are in the state of California, in any state, actually, if you're an LLC or a corporation, there's also different taxes that you have to pay for that corporation and the LLC to make sure you're compliant in that state. So I like to explain it when I first get a client, like there's essentially four things tax-wise you need to be looking for. Um, obviously, if you're not an LLC or corporation, you're not selling things, you don't need to worry about the last two. You only need to be worrying about your federal and state income. So rule of thumb, you know, according to the IRS, it's on an average five to seven years, you need to be keeping your documents. I like telling my clients that you should always be keeping them. And we actually store our monthly like bank statements and reconciliation statements and all that for our clients as a part of our service. But you should be saving those no matter what. And then once you end your company, I say five years from that date, and then that's when you can start getting rid of them. Uh, but you shouldn't be getting rid of them before that, in my opinion, because you never know if you're going to get an audit or if you want to go back and try to get a refund or you want to try to, you know, argue with the IRS saying that, no, this is my write-offs. This is what I did for that year. Always, always keep those. But I kind of tell my clients, obviously, a thing that I do across the border for everybody. And it's going to look differently uh, for each person, actually, when you file your taxes, depending on if you have children, if you're married, what type of income level you're at, if you do own a house, if you have investments, depending on, you know, your personal situation. I like telling my clients to put away 25 to 30% of their net income, like whatever their net income is times that by 25 to 30% and start saving that throughout the year to pay your taxes. Now, with that said, on the IRS and the state, you should be making quarterly estimated tax payments. The rule of thumb is if you're over, if you're supposed to owe over $1,000 in taxes, you should be making those estimated tax payments. Obviously, if you're at a negative net uh, income, you don't have to pay taxes, so you don't need to worry about those estimated tax payments. But it, you know, if you're having, right, hey, I'm, I know I'm going to owe $6,000 this year in taxes, you should be making those at least four times a year, those quarterly payments. A lot of times after the second and third quarter is when you can kind of really see what your net income is going to be at. And like, you can kind of predict what the last quarter is going to be. So at that point, I have a lot of people who do like kind of a bulk payment in third and fourth quarter for estimated tax payments. Cause at that point, we already know what your sales are for the year. And we know if you're at a negative or a positive number. Uh, net income for those of you that are, you know, a little less familiar with that term, profit and loss is essentially shows your gross sales. So it's your sales. And then you have all your expenses. Once you um, minus your expenses from your gross sales, you'll get your net income and you are taxed off of that net income. So that's what I mean when I say net income level. One thing that I'll say on that is it was always really, really hard for me to remember that differentiation. And so I made it up in my head. So you guys are going to laugh at me listening to this, but I think of like, a little man with a mosquito net and he collects like everything that's left when it's gross out when there's mosquitoes around uh -huh. and he collects only what ends up in the net so that is like your actual like at the end of the day what mm. you actually kept after like Amanda said all of those expenses all of those other things and other payments. So right. anyway, that's my weird little kid example. No, oh, that's, 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 that's a great example. I do want to say for sales tax, it is off of your gross. It isn't off of the net. So for sales tax, depending on like, you know, what area you are and what the sales tax rate is, that is off your gross. So you're going to take your gross number before your expenses and then times that by whatever your local sales tax rate. And that's what goes to sales tax.
And then for income tax, it's the net income. The portion of your net income is what you need to be paying the taxes off of. Yep. Okay. So you basically answered our last three questions right there. Should we be setting aside money for taxes? Basically your recommendation depends on the socioeconomic status of the person. Do they have a home? Do they have kids, dependents, investments, like you said, but general rule of thumb put away about 25 to 30% for taxes and then quarterly or annual filing, which is better if you are in the green, right? If you're not in the negative, then you should be making those estimated tax payments each quarter. And then, like you said, by second, third quarter, you'll have more of an estimate of what that net income will be by the fourth quarter. And then how long do we keep business tax documents? So I've always heard, you know, back to my, like Melissa working in HR at her nine to five turbo tax example, I would always keep my stuff for seven years, like my personal tax returns. So your answer to that was basically five years as the general rule of thumb. Plus if you close down a business five years after that. Yeah. So five years general thumb for like anybody who doesn't even own a business or anything like that. And then if you have a business, what I do is I, you should be always keeping them. You shouldn't be getting rid of anything. And then the year that you close, add five years onto that. And then you can start getting rid of the, the documents. Gotcha. So but basically yeah. just keep, just stuff. keep, keep the dockets, <laughs> keep receipts, keep bank statements. If one major thing that happens when we work with people is like they close banks, they close banks and they switch to another bank. And they didn't keep any of the PDFs or any of the bank activity from like the past bank account. And then we're like, well, now you have none, nothing to support what your tax return says. You have nothing for me to create your books. I, I can't do anything because now you didn't keep the bank statements. Obviously, you can get a hold of the bank and they can get into their archives and give you those. But you're going to be paying a lot for them to go print those out and give them to you. So, but yeah, so... Anytime you close out a bank account, make sure you're getting all the documents. Every single month, you should be keeping your statements. You should be going through your statements and reconciling them and, you know, tracking your expenses like you track your legs, you know, and that goes with credit card statements, PayPal statements, now Venmo statements, all of those things. You need to be tracking and keeping those on a monthly basis, all of those documents. And I'm going to turn that into a quote card on my Pro Organizer Bootcamp Instagram page. Track your expenses like you track your likes. I'm going to quote you on there and <laughs> share that out because I think that's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for being here today and offering your amazing insight and intel. And honestly, it's been such a gift to have you in my corner and in my network. You guys that are listening, you can check out Amanda and her awesome team, plus learn more about their services and get educated with all the content that they put out over on their Instagram page at Atlas Financial Solutions CA, like California. Plus, you can check out her website. Like she mentioned, there's that freebie on there for tax write-offs. And that website is atlasfinancialsolutions.net. All of this info will also be in the show notes. Amanda, any final closing thoughts? No, I mean, being an entrepreneur and a business owner, you know, you have to have the courage and bravery to do it. And, you know, so I'm, I'm proud of every single person who has that bravery in them to do it. Sometimes, you know, wearing 
the different hats in the business doesn't always work for you. You don't always look good in that fedora hat. You might look good in that trucker hat, you know? And so get rid of that fedora hat and let somebody else do the accounting for you. And you would be shocked by, you know, yes, it's, it's cutting into your bottom line, but the advice and things that we can provide you is really going to help you in your business. So don't be afraid to take that next step, be more official and make sure you're doing everything right. Stop trying to wear all the hats as CEO of your business. Thank you so much again for being here. You're craving support. You're craving accountability. You're craving connection. This whole building a business from scratch thing is lonely. Stop doing it all alone. Get into a community of like-minded organizers across North America to help you take your business to the next level. We're transparent, we're vulnerable, we're real. We're not into the fluff. Uncover the blind spots in your organizing business by getting into a mastermind to help you grow. We talk about our highs, we talk about our lows, we talk about our goals, we talk about our issues, and we support diverse perspectives because we're all here to lift each other up. You can't grow on an island. You can't grow in a silo. So get yourself into the right container. Join the Pro Organizer Bootcamp Monthly Membership Mastermind. Head to ProOrganizerBootcamp.com slash group coaching to sign up. Here's what you'll get inside the monthly mastermind every single month. Live and recorded calls to help you stay focused and energized as a pro organizer and collaborate with organizers all across the U.S. Exclusive content in the resource locker with new content added monthly. A Facebook group where you can get all of your questions answered by me and get feedback and brainstorming from the group whenever you're stuck. Plus, a supportive community where you can make long-lasting business friendships, find accountability buddies to keep you going, and not have to do business all by yourself anymore. Join us at ProOrganizerBootCamp.com slash group coaching, and let's work together. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you'd leave a review or share it with someone who'd also benefit from listening in. To stay connected, follow at Pro Organizer Bootcamp on Instagram, join our Pro Organizer Bootcamp Facebook group, and learn more about my coaching programs at ProOrganizerBootcamp.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.